You're listening to Self Worst. This is a podcast about failure, creative inspiration, day jobs, bad habits, mental health, and the fleeting sense of sanity, worth, and dignity that we all chase under capitalism. We talk about trauma, we talk about art, we talk about spiritualism, imposter syndrome, perfectionism, and the mirage of meritocracy. Each week, artists, designers, losers, dirtbags, musicians, degenerates, comedians, actors, fuck-ups, scholars, crazies, filmmakers, veterans, sluts, commies, weirdos, activists, addicts, teachers, fatties, queers, and all other types of beautiful people. Join me, Brad Pearson, in a discussion of what to do with this stupid, sacred life. Are you blessed or are you cursed with a strong imagination and a spiritual thirst? Do you want to confide about the darkness inside? Come and talk about it on self worst Hello! Welcome to self worst You're listening to self worst Great job. Great idea. You made a good choice today. I'm Brad Pearson. And I'm rock hard. This week, we're talking to Dave Hill. He's a comedian, musician, actor. He's a writer. Remember that intro I did a couple seconds ago? He's several of those things. So, you know, perfect for the show. And he's in this movie I want to tell you about right up front. Drunk Bus. That's coming out this Friday. Uh, it's gonna be on the streamings. You're gonna be able to. You're gonna be able to watch it. I guarantee you. You're a smart person. You can figure out where to see it. That's up to you. But this movie, he plays a really funny part in it. But the movie overall does have kind of a self-worst vibe to it. I won't give too much away. But it's about you know a guy kind of stuck in a rut in his life and. That's a big part of the spirit of this show. You know that. So Dave's a bit of a polymath. He's got a lot going on. And we uh, we talk about, I don't know, a bunch of stuff. We talk about the Midwest and music and uh, falling in love with sort of a bygone era. If you know anything about Dave, he's a, he's a big 60s, 70s guy. You know, but wasn't really around for most of that. He was just a baby when that was all happening. So, you know, uh, uh, I, I, I related a lot uh, because I was, yeah, I was a big 70s and 80s guy when it was the 90s and 2000s. I just felt sort of out of sync with my time. <clears throat> Sorry. Allergies. I've got allergies. It's springtime. There is visible pollen in the air. I have mild allergies that sometimes, not not even all year, a couple weeks out of the year, affect me. And it's really hard. Okay, sometimes I'll ride my bike and I'll just feel uh, there's an itch in my throat all of a sudden. And my throat just uh, (laughs) sort of does this thing uh, that it's doing right now. And it's a mild inconvenience. It really sucks a little bit. Isn't so bad. I gotta tell you, we all have problems. We all have issues. Look, uh, let's just go to the interview with Dave. Let's just go talk to Dave. 
and uh, it's all it's all gonna be okay. Uh, but before we do, let's talk about the Patreon for a minute. Patre- Patreon.com/slash/selfworst. That would be cool. Um, that's all. I don't know. You know, like and subscribe. I'll get to all of that after the show. I'll nag you with all of that after the show. How about that? For those of you who, you know, like watching the end credits, who like listening to a podcast all the way through. I usually do, to be honest, because I'm just too lazy to pull my phone out of my pocket and skip ahead. Unless they've got like a really annoying back end. Some of the podcasts I listen to, not going to lie, a little bit sloppy on the back end. I won't name names. And I don't want to act like I'm king shit of podcasting here. But a lot of times, uh, there's a podcast out there, I don't know if you've experienced this, that consistently, it either just cuts off randomly, or there there's like three minutes of silence after the end like, cuts off, no more, there's the music, fades out, that's it, and then it just keeps going. A couple of times I've, I've even experienced... It cuts off, keeps going, silence, and then there's like more interview, like way down, like a hidden track. Very weird. Anyway, I'm saying I take my editing a little bit more professionally. But yeah, whatever. Let's go to the interview with Dave Hill. So, Dave, you look like you're in like a closet of some kind. Even like it's a an big illusion. Closet? It's just that's a clothing no. rack next to you. Yeah, I'm. I'm in like uh the small bedroom ah. slash office, but there's like a uh on the one side there's like a closet that the previous uh, tenant installed, and then on the other side is the clothing rack. So it creates the illusion that I'm in a closet, but I'm actually in a. Uh, a r- little room, little bedroom. There's a uh, very early sort of pioneer podcast called Walking the Room um, that I think they literally recorded. It was Dave Anthony and Greg Barrett, I think, like way back. And they recorded, oh, yeah, they recorded literally in a closet and they kept talking about how it was just like just these two like middle-aged men just like sitting, like looking at a bunch of shirts and like suits and stuff. <laughs> Pretty funny. So you are in... Uh, the upcoming hit movie Drunk Bus. Um, Drunk Bus. You you play a character named uh, named Devo Ted, and yep. uh, you know not to give anything. I don't want to spoil anything, but your character is very into the band Devo. Is that a is, little can bit? I say that yeah. So yeah, um, that's a fair. It's not a spoiler. Now, how did you get that part? How were you cast? I you know it goes back a while a few years i mean usually i i do audition for things and get roles that way but usually if you have a tv show or movie you either know you want dave hill or you don't right <laughs> so uh they uh brandon leganke and john carlucci the directors as well as writer chris molinero who did this excellent screenplay um they got in touch with me like a few years ago about playing Devo Ted and uh, wine and dine me. They took me out for beers and 
appetizers at least twice. And the funny thing is, like, I was like, yeah, like, I said yes before we even had the, the beers. And then they took me out again, and I was like, yeah, it's still yes. I still want to do it. Um, so Al, by way of saying, yeah, they, uh, they're very nice and uh, offered me the role. And then, uh, so I, it was, and then, you know, the production kind of got pushed back a little bit. And then, then we shot it and, uh, well, they shot it. I really, I really just, I didn't do, I you mostly, you mostly just, did the acting part. I did acting. Yeah. I didn't really, I was you not really holding I, the camera. I'm really, really, really was not involved in any other details other than playing Devo Ted. So, uh, yeah, so we we did it, and, and it's so exciting that it's finally coming out because it's been, you know, such a a long road. Did it, to, did to it get this point. the release of it kind of get pushed at all by the pandemic, or was was it just sort of happened to be on track uh, and just released now? That that I don't know. I mean, I, I think so. I mean, I know like there was a lot of things like you know we were supposed to premiere the movie at south by southwest yeah. uh last year and then that was like right you know when south by southwest got canceled that was right when we were yeah all, that was when we all kind of knew say, we were in deep shit yeah yeah exactly so i went from like you know being excited to go down there and see everybody and yeah and uh and uh then that happened and and then so but but the movie still, you know, was at fest online festivals and did did really well and and has gotten great reviews, uh, you know, pretty everywhere I've seen. So it's really exciting because um, I I was I was already into the movie, so it's it's nice to see uh, other people be into it too because you know sometimes you know you work on something whether it's something you created or something you're just a part of or whatever. And then you finish it or you see the finished product and you're like, Oh, that didn't, didn't really stick the landing. It's <laughs> whatever. Right. So it's nice to see like, you know, the movies done and, uh, and, it, and the, they did such a great job with it. And uh, I tried to grow a beard for the movie. A lot of this is real, arguably an exclusive I'm giving you. Okay, I I uh, or maybe I did. I may have, I may have told someone else. I can't remember, but I tried to grow a beard for the movie. They asked me to grow a beard, but uh, I have some sort of uh, deficiency in that regard. And I I grew my facial hair for like a month, and it really was not much longer than this. If well, you heard it here first, folks. Dave Hill can't grow a beard. It's yeah. It's my one. You know. It's my one failing, I guess. As a man, you know. No, I mean it's just it's your boyish good looks, Dave. It is. I mean, because really, and you know, uh, I can run really fast. I can lift mm -hmm. heavy things. Yeah. Uh, I'm good at you know. If you're, you're good at tools. A, you can you can really lay pipe good. like a motherfucker. Yeah, if you need like help putting a deck in or yeah, something like that, I'm your guy. You know, but if you need me to grow a beard. Forget it. It's not going to work. My, they didn't have a fake beard in the budget. I think they probably did, you know, because they did have like a fake tattoo artist, which is right. to say an art, an art, the artist is real, but making 
uh, when you see a, I don't, this is a spoiler. I can't really give it away, but I have tattoos in the movie. Those but weren't real. A, the, 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 the tattoos on your hands were not real. No, no. but it, you know, anything feels possible, you know, cause pineapple Tangaroa who stars in the movie with Charlie Tan, like yeah. he, uh, even though I'm contractually obligated not to talk about this, um, <laughs> I just wasn't paying attention and didn't really, I didn't put it together that he had all these tattoos. Because yeah. I had never met him. Yeah. I had never met him until the, the day before shooting started. So I came, you know, I came to Rochester and we did a table read for the movie with uh, everybody the night before shooting began. And uh, and I was like, wow, that guy's really in character. He showed he he went to hair and makeup, you know, like four hours. Yeah, I was like, why? Put all over his face. Yeah, no. Yeah, because they he is he's a he's a character. That dude is like I couldn't take my eyes off him like watching that movie. It's he, he really. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he's and he's such a great great guy as well a, a lovely fellow and, and as well as charlie um i i really they didn't really let me interact with many of the other i mean i did i did uh see will forte a little bit mm -hmm. but i'm not in, a, in any in the movie with him but uh but i i didn't see any they didn't let me near any other cast members besides those three was that just because you have like kind of a reputation of uh you know i'm a close talker yeah <laughs> and very handsy not in an inappropriate way just in an annoying way on both right. counts you know like i you know i smack people's shoulders for emphasis you know right. when i'm talking so it was just they thought it was better if maybe i didn't uh interact with anyone else. fair enough well this seems like yeah, it was yeah. like a real dream part for you because i mean as a comedian you get to just play this you know kind of just weird part in in the movie or it's the whole movie isn't centered around you necessarily but you get to show up in my mind it is sure of course yeah but i mean everybody's their own main character but yes. you get to just sort of show up be like a, a weird crazy guy and then that's it and that's pretty cool as 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 a comedic actor i guess uh bringing you know to bring your own panache to that role uh plus he's a real you know there's a big emphasis on music um and you're a big music guy too um yeah so I, are you a, are you a devo fan in real life yeah absolutely you know and i'm i'm from cleveland originally so right you know they're from akron so there's the ohio of you know pride or affinity or whatever and then absolutely and and then yeah no i i actually uh, I don't even think I've talked. This is an exclusive okay. I'm giving you. I don't think I've talked about this with regard to the movie, but not only did I participate in a Devo like tribute show uh, at Littlefield in Brooklyn, which was part of the the thirty three and a third uh, Devo book that I can't remember which album it was for and I should know this um but I 
they told you I have it. No, I was going to say, I shouldn't joke. I have a head, head injury. I don't. I just can't remember what album, but there was a, a party for the, the 33 and third book, the Devo book. And I did a cover of Gates of Steel. That's a good at one. At the show, which is my favorite Devo song. And, but this is um, years ago. This is going back to like 2003, I would say. Devo was playing in in Central Park and it was a rainy night and I was really overserved uh at some point clearly and I I was invited to a party like Devo's after party and uh and so we're everyone's drenched servants and very wet which is, you know, pure people are irritable when they're damp historically. And so I was just dancing around in this party. I can't remember where it was, somewhere in Chelsea, I think. But and Devo has, they have those nice coveralls. They have those nice sleek yellow coveralls. They can just slip them on in the rain. Yeah, so, so they were probably fine. They were probably fine. But anyway, go on. So like I went to this party with some music industry people who knew Devo and then I was dancing around, not flailing, mind you, but just sort of, you know, shaking her on a little bit. And I backed into a like a like a coffee table and there were some dips on it, like I would say like a salsa, and maybe a French onion dip, let's mm -hmm. say. Mm -hmm. And somehow I knocked the table and the dips fell off the table and onto these women's the women that were sitting on the other side of the table, they were covered in the sauces as a result of my dancing. Party foul. They were understandably upset. I didn't realize what I had done. And I turned around. I, they started throwing drinks on me. And so I turned around and these women were throwing drinks at me and poking me with an umbrella. And I just thought they were like partying in some way I was unfamiliar with. I didn't process they were mad at me because i didn't realize what i that i had done anything right with, with the dips so i started throwing my drink just kind of splashing my beer all over the place not at them but just kind of all over right because i thought well we're all wet anyway and these women are throwing drinks <clears throat> mostly at me so i'll just spray my beer around because i guess this is a wild party no one agreed with that at all and I was escorted out of the party by a, you know, a big guy who you would imagine would do that sort of thing. A pineapple and looking guy. A pineapple looking guy dragged me out. But then, and then at one point, I they put me down and led me back into the party. They like got me to the door and then all of a sudden there was like an about face and then they marched me back into the party. I'm wet from rain and several vodka sodas right. i'm guessing and then my friend one of the showbiz guys was like oh i i paid him off to let you back in the party <laughs> and i was like why like i i can't go back in the party after that like you can't you know i felt it was it's time for me to have a time out so we ended up getting going having a nice dinner after that. Anyway, 
I probably won't tell that story on the moth or anything. <laughs> but you know, you can, now you the can dips, edit it were out. They, if you were need they to. in little energy domes? No, but I mean talk that about a missed up. That would have been talk very... about a missed yeah. Absolute missed opportunity. Now that I'm hearing it out loud, someone someone I hope fucked no up. Part... Yeah, you because you can imagine it probably was one of those scenarios where they hired like a party planner and be like, "Hey, you're in charge of the Devo after party," and they're like, "All right, how much salsa you think we need? Salsa, hummus, maybe some artichoke dip." But they didn't fucking think to maybe no put some energy domes out there. Hiding in place. They already sight. got a bunch I, of them. I actually have an energy dome right here. Sick. Um, this my office is kind of the land of, uh, where you put stuff down and it stays forever, and uh, I have the energy dome. The energy dome is like I'm. I imagine the Devo guys have better. Yeah, they're not super ergonomic. The way so I saw Devo in Chicago, and uh, this was a long time ago. Uh, God, I must have been like late teens, early twenties. Um, mm -hmm. and they, so when I was there, I saw that there were people there who had, there were like, you know, OG Devo fans who like, you know, had been fans in the eighties. Um, mm -hmm. and I saw that some of them had like their own homebrewed kind of, energy domes that they had taken yeah. basically like you know the inside of like a, a hard hat that has this sort of like plastic straps oh yeah yeah or like sure. that that plastic almost like armature on the inside that sort of yeah yeah sticks to your head about. it it mm -hmm. was it was like that inside so it actually stayed on your head that's that made a lot more mine, sense mine doesn't it does have not that. stay on your head that was the first thing no I, I like because, you know, we're doing this, uh, like, online premiere uh, in the right after this. And Brandon Leganke was asking, one of the directors was asking me if I was going to wear my energy dome. And I said I wasn't planning on it because it's, it's not, it's very hard to really live your life. At least with the energy dome I have, it doesn't stay on very well. Honestly, there's but probably, he, like, a Zoom filter you could download. Just I know, right? I don't know how to do those. Any of those, like, I I I'm doing this. I I did the test that you know they always have, have these tech things, and they were like, "Is that where you're gonna be for the in the room that I'm in now?" Because they were <laughs> horrified, and I was like, "No, I'm gonna move to a classier room." But this is my office, so um, this is where I come when I mean business, and I mean oh, business by I'm, I'm... talking to you. Whereas I'm glad, I'll, I'll, I'm glad you brought your yeah 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 yeah. If I, if I were doing this from another room, you would be like, he's not taking this seriously, right? He's fine. But this is in. serious. I'm in this room that has no there's air conditioning through that door. Nowhere. This is why I'm crossing the line. Normally I'm very dewy, but now I'm crossing just. It was a warm one today. Sweaty. It was yeah. I already I showered yeah. for a second time today, and I'm already kind of sweating again. Um, yeah, because I, I couldn't have the fan on in here, obviously, for sound. So is what it is. Sure. Um, I met Bob Mothersbaugh um, when we went oh, and nice. saw him. It was so cool. Like we so it was it was just me and a couple of friends. We were all like big ass nerds, as you could imagine, um, as like millennials who were excited to go see Devo. 
and yeah. um, we made our own like weird spacesuits, like these like silver spacesuit things. And yeah. I think he like we were like hanging out. We were just like waiting for a cab outside of the show, um, and he just like sort of walks up to us and was just like, "What's going on here? You guys are wearing some crazy spacesuits." It was pretty cool. Um, oh wow. Yeah. Was Where really was that? That was in Chicago. Um, Billy Corgan was at the show. I just like ran across him in the crowd. I was like, that was fucking Billy Corgan. Um, wow. Yeah. It was, it was a very interesting time. I'm from the Midwest. I'm from Nebraska. Um, oh, nice. So, but like I, I had never, I think that was one of my first times. It might've been my first time going to Chicago. Um, so it was like, it was a big adventure for a little like 19 year old oh, me. Cool. Oh, very, yeah. It was very fun. That's pretty cool. I like Ch- Chicago. Chicago's cool. I don't know. Uh, two of my favorite bands, though, are from your home state. Um, Devo and Guided by Voices. Um, I was gonna. I was oh, gonna guess that so, was the other band. So good, so good, amazing. Totally. So. Are you know, having a, a Miller a Miller High Life? I got a Miller a High Life. Yes. Oh, nice. It's it's. Uh, I like it's that beer. The champagne of beers. Um, it really is. When you have it, you're like, they really hit it out of the I'm park. I'm double fisting, actually. This is this is my usual podcasting cocktail. I have a LaCroix, and I oh, have okay. a High Life. Just to sort I of... actually feel, I feel better, because I thought it was a ginger ale you were drinking, and I assumed the other one was a beer, and I was like, that's a... This, what is this guy think he's going to live forever drinking ginger ale and beer at the same time? <laughs> I mean, I guess you could in like sort of a shandy sort of way. But the dueling cans, I was like, that's crazy. But now that you say it's LaCroix, I, I'll sign off on it. Yeah, you want to stay hydrated and everything as much as we're sweating. Oh, you have to. So yeah. um, you're, you know, again, like to kind of draw parallels with your character. Um, I, as a Midwesterner myself, I feel like I am often tasked with defending my home from like east coast snobs you know yeah. um and do you ever find that you have to do that to like f- to defend ohio to defend just the midwest in general as like a flyover state because all the time i feel like i need to like uh i don't know just just sort of stand up for the midwest in general when i'm out here i mean a little bit but i'm also kind of like I don't give a fuck what anyone thinks, you know? Sure. Like, you know, if you don't like the Midwest, don't visit. I don't care. But, uh, no, and I, I think most people, especially, you know, I, everyone always says this. Maybe I'll exclude myself from this group, but just out of journalistic integrity, even though I'm not a journalist, uh, Everyone always says that they love everyone they know from Ohio, especially Cleveland. They're like, oh, those are always the best people. I always like those people. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, uh, you know, Ohioans are good ambassadors for their state when they go. I mean, when people say things like, oh, Cleveland, the river caught on fire or something right. that is so like, uh, antiquated notion it's like 
because that was like in the 60s. That was a long time ago. But but Cleveland's done some cool shit. I mean, 10 Cent Beer Night was pretty awesome. Um, yeah, they've done. They, Balloon Cleveland Fest. Did, I mean, that was a fucking amazing. What, what was Balloon the, Fest? What did you Balloon Fest. The balloon. What is you that? You haven't heard about this? Okay, so. Refresh my memory. Maybe I don't in know. In the 80s, um, the United Way decided to release like 2 million balloons in downtown Cleveland, like as a stunt, just like, we're going to do this. It's going to be this like crazy event. And uh-huh. it looked cool for about 20 seconds before all of the balloons, like it was like a rainy day. And then like the air pressure like made all the balloons just descend back down onto Cleveland and they had to shut down the airport. There was like, <laughs> there, like the coast guard had to get called in because there were like people like lost, like in, in the, it, it was causing like traffic accidents. There was just balloons oh, wow. everywhere. There's like somebody, uh, like kind of low key died as a result of it because they like, there was a, there was a fishing boat or something that was out and they called the coast guard, but the coast guard like went out to look for them. They couldn't find them because the entire, like it was a river or a lake or something was like, was just covered in balloons and they couldn't see anything. They were just like, we don't know what to do here. Like it was just, it was this disaster. Um, pretty funny. I mean, other than people dying, but like, you know, kind of, kind of a, kind of a funny way to die. Honestly. It is. I mean, you know, it's probably this whoever it happened to probably their family retells the story at holidays and things like that. But I met. Yeah, I don't remember that. But it's just because, uh, you know, I would have been a kid and there was no Internet, you know, right. I was probably busy watching the Cosby show or something. <laughs> I missed it. Um, but yeah, no, Cleveland's great. I mean. I, I love I love Cleveland. You know, the my only complaint about it would be it's just very gray uh a lot of the time because of the, the lake, I guess they say. Uh the lake effect. Um and then, you know, I was like I I'm 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 always kinda hard on it being from there, maybe the same way. Uh is you know, you kinda get hard. Sure. I, like when some it's like when someone talks shit about Cleveland. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? But then, oh yeah, I'll talk shit about it. Absolutely, like, I can talk shit about know. the Midwest. Yeah, I you mean, can talk shit out. about the Midwest, but like not about Nebraska. You see what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah. Like I and I would I would feel weird about insulting you know Ohio to or Cleveland to to your face. You know what I mean? Like, because it's just like that's not my that's not my uh you know purview. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, 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 and, you know, it's great. I, I, you know, it's a bummer. A lot of Ohio is like, uh, I hadn't, I hadn't really driven through Ohio in a very long time until a couple years ago. And uh, I was like, oh, this is when you watch on the new, during, you know, the last few years when you would see these Trump rallies and you're like, who are these guys, these, like like old men with fanny packs, these crazy guys you see on the news, and then you drive from Cleveland to Columbus and you're like, right. Oh, this is oh, everyone in this right. is everyone you'd pass along the way at every gas station, you know. But whatever. That's the past, or is it? I don't know. 
No, baby, it's the future. Um, oh, I hope not. <laughs> um, so your show, uh, I mean, there's a couple iterations of it. I'm not exactly clear. There's the Dave Hill Good Time Hour, and then there's the goddamn Dave Hill Show, which was on WFMU. Yeah, for five years, yeah. Um, yeah. It sort of shifted, you know, I started a podcast called Dave Hill's Podcasting Incident that I did for a number a handful of years and from that that's how i ended up doing the goddamn dave hill show on wfmu and then i stopped doing that to finish my last book and while i did that then i started up dave hill's podcast casting incident again then during the pandemic uh my friend chris gersbeck and producer, he was like, oh, why don't you do the goddamn Dave Hill show as like a, you know, live cast Zoom kind of show during the pandemic, which when I agreed to it, I thought that was going to be like four or five weeks, right. you know? Right. And Remember then, when we thought this shit was only going to be like two weeks? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I know I went, you know, so we, we started doing it. And then once we realized, like, oh, this, this is going to go on for a really long time, we decided to just combine uh, everything into one thing and call it the Dave Hill Good Time Hour for, I, I was going to say for lack of a better name, but I just blatantly stole that name from the Glenn Campbell Good Time Hour because I, I love Glenn Campbell and he had a great variety show uh, called that. So I just stole it. You seem to have a lot of kind of uh, like sort of old school influence so far as, I mean, Glenn Campbell and, um, you know, I, I feel like a lot of the uh, musical references and movie references um, tend to be like a lot of stuff from, you know, 70s before like that. That's sort of like your wheelhouse. Um, yeah. And and, you know, like even like with your show. Um, it feels a lot more like an older, you know, like, yeah, like a Howard Stern, like call in type of radio show, which you don't really see anymore, um, which I think is kind of an interesting format, uh, especially for like podcasting. You know, it's 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 just sort of a different mutated version of that, where it's just like, you know, people talking shit on the microphone, but like it it's missing the live element and what. I think is the the most kind of missing from that, except when like modern podcasters will do like an Instagram live or something like that. Uh, it's the fan interaction. Um, yeah. And the sort of weird, like there's the recurring call in characters and the people who like just sort of attach to the show and just eventually become characters on the show in almost this uh, sort of parasocial relationship kind of kind of thing um which i which i find really mm -hmm. i don't know interesting um can you talk a little bit more about that yeah i mean i think uh you know the thing i really liked about doing the wfmu show was that exactly what you're talking about is you know because i took over i didn't take over but you know tom sharpling left he left stopped doing the best show and so they wanted him they wanted another call-in show. So, you know, my, 
my show became the call-in show just because uh, that's what they wanted. And, you know, I was psyched to do it, obviously. Um, so this show was primary, you know, I'd play a little music here and there, you know, and I had to go to the bathroom or whatever. And also to kind of, you know, I love music and right. wanted to kind of help define the aesthetic of the show with, with the music that I was playing. And, and it was also fun to, you know, doing that show made me like explore more music more than I had been in, in recent years before that, like, um, but, but to your point, like I found that I end up going backwards with everything. Like I try to like find new stuff that I'm into, but there's so much stuff that I missed. Yeah. You know, uh, or, you know, was before I was even alive or whatever that is, you know, I tend to gravitate like, like more anyway, you know, than, you know, it, I, I don't want to say like stuff sucks now because there's always great stuff. There's but... good stuff. But yeah, I feel you like when I was in. When I was younger, like when I was, you know, in high school and like started listening to Devo, like that was when that was when I was discovering all of that stuff. And everybody was coming to me with all these new bands, all this like indie rock stuff that was coming out like right then. And they're like, do you want to go see this band this week? I was like, yeah, sure. I'll go see the Arcade Fire or whatever. But also like I'm much more excited about Kraftwerk. I'm much more excited about uh, the Beach Boys. I'm much more excited about, you know, Devo. Like it, it, it just there was something i don't know you could you could really just hear this whole other world that was happening through this music you know yeah and i think i think the way things you know I mean, people are always doing cool shit but i think the way things happen like before the internet is just more you know and i guess i would probably romanticize some of it but but sure. i think there's just truth to that of like you know, the way stuff comes together as a result of being in a certain location and having access to what you have and things that come about like that. And um, I don't know, like I've, I've been the last few months, really, I had never seen there, there's uh, this Finnish filmmaker, Aki Korismaki, um, who's probably a uh, the biggest movie I think is Leningrad Cowboys Go America, I think it's called. And that was the first one I saw. And then I watched like every one of his movies that I could see. And I, then I started watching like YouTube interviews with him and things. And there's this interview, Jonathan Ross, you know, the English TV presenter, host guy, uh, was interviewing him. And he's like, uh, he's like, yeah, like, my movies like are seem good now because I'm making them now. But like if I had made them sooner, like in the seventies, sixties or before, they would be unwatchable because they would they're not nearly as good as anything made back then. Right. He's like, but now he's like everything is shit now. So <laughs> my stuff stands out as being really good because it's not horrible. Yeah. He's very like self deprecating slash uh, you know, proud of his work as well. I mean, his movies are amazing. They're I'm obsessed with them, but, uh, but that's a good example. Like, yeah, you know, I watched a movie from 1989 and now 
and I've lit I think I've watched only Aki mostly Aki Kurosaki movies the last like three months. I just rewatched them, and so I'll probably catch up with um, things. But I mean, you know, obviously there's great movies and great music and great everything being made now. Drunk Bus, of course, sure, great great movie. I just watched uh, Pink Skies Ahead. Mm-hmm. by kelly oxford and i love that um so i do i do find uh and uh you know new things music and movies and stuff that yeah. i'm into i'm not a i'm not a total prick yeah but most, i mean but I, no, I, try, I, <laughs> I try not to be but i think maybe i was a little bit when i was a little bit younger just because i mean that's what i was discovering i don't know there's this um yeah. there's this song by this power pop band called sloan uh oh, i love sloan sloan's fucking great um they have, i just you, saw you know them there i think they're still around right yeah i just saw them like right before the pandemic it's probably the last show i saw at power Ball. Um, uh, my, my dog really loves sloan as well dotty relax nice. relax um i'm podcasting yeah dogs uh, they, they have no respect for the craft dotty you don't um but uh there's this song they have called uh i think it's called my generation um mm-hmm. or something like that. i think it's called that uh, now i'm now i'm i'm not worrying. sure now i'm worrying that that's some... the that's a who song but well I, that, think, I think it is but it is a who song but they, course, they have another but... one like sloan has a song that's something about that too where it's about how he wishes he was born like a generation earlier how he wishes he was like born yeah. in the fifties and was like grew up in the sixties um, because he just likes all of that stuff more. And like when I heard that song and I was a kid, when I was like a high schooler and I was like, Oh yeah, totally. I, I feel that. Cause I just felt, I felt like everything that I was discovering from, you know, kind of a generation before just was better um than what was happening and I, I think maybe a lot of it just had to do with i just felt just alienated from you know most people in my generation to begin with so i was like oh there was maybe this other time that i belonged in more or something mm-hmm. no I, yeah I, I can totally relate to that i always think like oh i wish i you know yeah had been born like 20 years earlier mm-hmm. but you know but then I would be closer to death, so maybe there's. And then I would miss whatever cool thing is gonna is sure. ahead. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? If you could go to any like sort of era and city, what would it be? Like a, uh, a decade in a city. I would say, you know, probably like 60s and 70s and in london maybe Mm. uh i think that would be pretty cool uh or you know the same time same era basically that era in in london new york or paris i think from about you know 65 to 70 eight or something i think would be pretty cool um just offhand yeah that's what i would say because the, the, the velvet suit jackets would have really been a hit yeah i mean you know you would have fashion right wise in. perfect 
but I just read, I just finished, you know, Don Letts. I don't he's know. He's a filmmaker, DJ. He was in Big Audio Dynamite. But he's a London, you know, born and raised in London, parents from Jamaica. And, you know, he was around, you know, during, you know, some interesting points in history in, in the UK, but also like, you know, when the Sex Pistols started mm-hmm. Clash and all that, he was around, you know, when all that was happening and, and just cool, you know, Vivian Westwood, all that stuff. Uh, so I think that I would, I think that era, I, I like, I, I just read his book and I was like, oh man, I would be so into, you know, like he goes to like, he goes, goes to Jamaica with Johnny Rotten in like 19, 77 or something i was like yeah that would have been the time to go to jamaica with johnny rotten probably yeah that Uh, that probably would have been a trip yeah because now you would just now you would go and it would be like you know all-inclusive sandals resort yeah or something it'd be depressing plus johnny rotten's like a weird old like trumpy racist now i know yeah Uh, yeah, he seems to have turned into a fucker. I, I mean, I, I mean, I think he was probably a, always a fucker. I think that's just always like his, a fucker. Yeah, it's, that's just his thing. I don't know. It doesn't surprise but yeah, me. But yeah, it's a bummer though. Like when that you know happens, and uh, it's like Morrissey, you know, oh, I'm a God, huge Smith fan. Yeah, and I have a uh, my my friend Lucy got me. She was playing on a festival with with Morrissey, and she got me like him. He got, she got him to sign, uh, an album cover like to me. Wow! And it was once like my most, you know, one of my favorite things hanging in my apartment. And I, I just saw noticed it the other day, and I was like, oh yeah, that fucker. I'm gonna get rid of it. Like yeah. I'm gonna put this down, put this in the closet. I think it sucks. But, I mean, you know, like as a, yeah, as a music fan, as, and as a comedy fan, like I get disappointed <laughs> a lot, you know, and just, in just people, um, it, it happens. Yeah. But what are you going to do? I mean, Johnny Marr is still amazing. Johnny Marr's cool. So, yeah. So I don't know. I don't want to yeah. com- like completely write them off. I was always more of a cure guy if I'm being totally honest, but that's, just, I love the cure. That's just me. Yeah. Um, on that note, um, let's change gears a little bit and go to the uh, the mental health corner. Um, okay. So let's talk if if you um, let's talk about any experiences you have uh, with depression, anxiety, uh, therapy, or um, you know uh, mindfulness, self help, any any of any of that. Have you had any type of a journey in that? Oh, massively. I mean, you know, I don't say that, you know, I, I wish I didn't for the most part, but no, I, I've, I've, uh, you know, like a lot of people uh, looking back on it, I think I had issues with anxiety my whole life. Uh, and then in my twenties, I really got hit, uh, you know, with like clinical, anxiety and depression ocd i had really bad this is what like a a pet peeve of mine is like 
people are always saying like, oh, I'm so OCD. Like I always have to like make sure my kitchen is clean. Right. And I was like, fuck you. That's not OCD. Like you're just kind of annoying and whatever you want your kitchen clean. That's not unreasonable. Right. Like OCD is hell. And like, it's like a seriously debilitating. What did it look like for you? What, uh, what tipped you off? You know, that this is like a thing. This is a problem. I, I didn't realize, uh, you know, because when you're in the midst of it, especially when you're first experiencing these things, you don't, you know, the thing with mental illness is you only through time and experience with it do you ever learn like, oh, I'm mentally ill. Right. You know, because when you're first experiencing these things, you, you think they're all reasonable. You think your OCD is, is valid. Right. You and think You think that it's telling the truth. Yeah, and you in the things that you become obsessed with, you think you uh, should absolutely be obsessed with. You know, I, I I became obsessed with the idea. You know, just magnifying problems. You know, imagining I might be convinced I had some disease or something for mm-hmm. a few months, and that would be completely consume me. So that was, that was more of like, that was sort of one of your things was like disease anxiety. Like I have a brain tumor. I have this, I have that. Yeah. And, uh, but I, I didn't have like, my compulsions weren't like, you know, uh, I have to touch the light switch three times before I can leave the house. They were all like mental. Like I would, I would do like kind of mind exercises so that my compulsion, you know, but the whole thing with OCD is like, you're obsessed with whatever the thing is that you have a brain tumor, not that I had that specifically in my idea, but, you know, say you're obsessed with the brain tumor and then the compulsion is the thing that distracts you from, you're trying to reassure yourself everything's going to be okay. And then it's just a cycle. And then you drive yourself, exhaust yourself. And then as a result of that, you're depressed and, so yeah, I had that, you know, that started pretty heavily in my 20s, you know, where I would be like, uh, you know, not eating, losing a ton of weight. And, you know, I couldn't sleep. And yet I didn't want to get out of bed, all that, you know, all the usual things. And uh, was that a compulsion not eating? Like, uh, was that like a like an eating disorder kind of thing? No, no, I was just, a, I was so anxious and depressed. Mm-hmm. I couldn't eat, you know, I, I eventually, you know, cause I still have issues, you know, and like you get better at it, you know, through, you know, therapy, exercise, medication, meditation, you know, but for me uh, at this point in my life, the things that are most helpful are meditation and exercise. You know, I started running mm-hmm. a little over 10 years ago and that, you know, I was on tour with my friend Walter in Europe and it was right after my mom died. And I was like, this tour is either going to like help me get, help me with my, I was, you know, really grieving. And it's like, this tour is going to help or make things worse. Cause you know, I'm drinking and, 
eating and going nuts every night right with my bandmates tour, so like, tour can be very difficult to maintain or like at any kind of like traveling because your your equilibrium yeah. is off you can't get food yes. in the same place you're not sleeping in the same bed like right yeah so it's i mean which is for me like when i have because you know every once in a while you know i i had a really bad episode just a few months ago where was the worst mental health episode i'd had in 20 years easily um to where i was i wouldn't say i was suicidal but i had suicidal thoughts and uh it was like i was like oh shit after all these years of you know i i was kind of always liking it to like not i don't even play video games but i but i i have Right. But like, it's sort of like you get better and you get to these levels where like you're operating at a certain level and you're not going to be, you can recover from things more quickly or you can recognize when, you know, for me, a big thing was just learning. Like, well, if you're obsessed with something, or, you know, it's because it's an illusion. Like you don't, you don't, you don't get obsessed with something that's real. You know, you don't get like, this. Is what I learned, you know, my twenties, my therapist was like, when I would come in, I'd be like, I have this, I have that, you know, uh, he was like, do you, is there cancer in your family? And I was like, Oh yeah, everyone dies of cancer. Every relative dies of cancer. And he's like, do you worry about cancer? I'm like, no, never. And he's like, well, would, why wouldn't you, worry about that right like that's a real concern and i was and i was like oh yeah you raised a good point um and that was like it, actually at one point he he even just wrote because i was having just went on for like a long time several years and at one point he just wrote down on a piece of paper you know are you obsessed with like catastrophic you know, catastrophe, a result of your actions. It's an illusion. Are, is it fear of being out of control? Like, oh my God, I did something crazy. I, I must have killed someone last night and didn't realize that on the drive home. Right. You know, if you're obsessing about certain things, it's an illusion. And he just wrote it on a piece of paper. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. Got it. And it kind of cured me of OCD, like right then and there. But I, I still run into it and I... I had just a really bad run in with it fairly recently that was like absolutely horrible. And, but I, you know, feel out of it at this point. But and one thing that really, and as, as we speak, I'm, I'm on much, I'm microdosing mushrooms. I wanted to ask you about this. This was, this is also super interesting. Um, talk a little bit about that. Uh, like sometime, probably in like 2019, uh -huh. you know, cause it's an, I think, you know, despite having made progress in, you know, my mental health, I've still had, you know, I would say most of my adult life, my sort of baseline feeling is like, has been just having my head above water to where I'm like, Oh, I kind of feel okay. You know, I might have windows where I feel, really good you know a day or two here or there or a night or whatever 
but like my general feeling was kind of like you know like where you're just like okay i'm okay i'm you know i'm not gonna drown but i might drown c plus yeah exactly and and then i was kind of sinking below that and i had heard about you know i had read about microdosing and i've never been into i drink but I don't, you know, I've never been into drugs. Yeah, you're not a weed guy, which is kind of surprising to me. Because in my no, experience, uh, mushrooms tend to be almost like a cousin of, you know, like a, a strong, you know, marijuana dose. Yeah, I mean, I, I, for me, like, uh, drugs have always been, you know, I growing up, I think I had sort of a after school special fear of them Mm. like oh my god and i don't know where it came from it wasn't my parents my parents were never like preachy about that stuff at all it was just something that got in my head and then so in like in grade school i was always like drugs are bad you're gonna jump off a building yeah same or or whatever you know and then i got i got into high school and weirdly i i was i'm not i was never a jock but i was I was really good at hockey and I was on the varsity. This is very bragging, but I was on the varsity team when I was a freshman and it was all juniors and seniors, but there were just three of us freshmen, no sophomores that we were just these three kids who were good enough to play with the big kids. But like they, you know, you just get abused. Mm -hmm. You're just hazed constantly. So, they, and then like hockey, I don't know if it still is, but hockey at the time, you know, in the 80s was like a big stoner sport. So like the upperclassmen would be like coming into practice at, you know, six in the morning smelling like weed. And I was like, oh, I can't be so that it bothers me because they'll seize upon it. Right. And stick my head in the toilet. So I lost my fear of that instantly. And then... By the time I got to college, people would just talk about drugs, like what they were doing. And I was like, I I kind of just feel that way already. Like what you're describing, you know, what, whatever they were doing, you know, like, you know, especially weed. And then, but I'll say this, like I did go to Jamaica a couple of years ago for a wedding. Uh, My girlfriend's friend was getting married and I was, I was, I was being like, I was just kind of being a prick, like, oh, I don't want to go to this wedding. And and then I was like, well, I'm being an asshole. Like, why am I resisting this? I So I decided I was going to just be so full on into the Jamaican wedding. So I was just, I got like board shorts, drank Red Stripe all day. And right. and then it wasn't like I didn't like the I liked the people. It was just like, I don't know why. I was just like, oh, we got to fly all the way down there and blah, blah, blah. And I'm not a very fun in the sun guy. So I was like, whatever. So we go there and I, so one day I smoked two bowl, a joint and two bowls all in a row, like within an hour, all by myself. That's a lot. That's especially if you're not a seasoned smoker. That's so I had pretty... never, I had never smoked it in my life. <laughs> Okay, yeah. So that's I mean like I'm I'm kind of a heavyweight at this point and that would that that'd be like okay for me, but like if you'd never smoked before like and it's in your I don't know, like Jamaica in my experience 
it was actually kind of a lower grade because it was mostly just like it wasn't like hydroponic like super american mutant yeah weed. it was like that's what everyone said it was like you know yeah it was like what they call ditch weed you know it's just like very like straight up like it's like what they had in the 70s you know like right right which that's your aesthetic so there you go yeah so it, it, perfect so i did it but uh, you know and at one point i was like okay like i'm definitely stoned right now and it just confirmed what I, I was like, oh, this is exactly what I thought. I feel the same as always. I feel like detached, isolated, checked out, you know, the way I always feel, right. but just more so. So I was like, this is not for me. Did it, and... did it like fuck with like any like anxiety, paranoia? Cause that was, that's kind of the less desirable uh, and I've run into this myself and I just sort of smoked through it. <laughs> um, it was just no, like the, the, the paranoia I'd... side of it and just like, everybody hates me. No, fortunately that didn't happen, but I just felt like I was kind of like, oh, this is, why would anyone want to feel this way? It made me kind of sad because I right. was, it made me feel bad. No offense. And I realized that there's all kind of different strains and, yeah. but I was like, I felt bad for anyone that wanted to feel the way that I felt. <laughs> I was just like, oh, why would you want to feel this way? And, and I realized that was just my experience. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm fully pro weed 1000%, but I, it's just not, it's just not for I, you. Yeah. It's not for everybody. I don't do, but so you, but, uh, I, yeah. Anyway, getting back to that, like I, I was very, everything, you know, I was curious about it. I had been reading about it. And I was going, I just remember waking up one night and just being like, oh, fuck, like, I can't go on. I can't live like this anymore. Mm. I don't want to live. I wasn't, again, not suicidal, but I was like, I can't live anymore. This cannot be my normal state, the right. way I feel most of the time. This is ridiculous. Yeah, no, I feel you. That's, yeah. So I, I, I was... You know, I started reading more about it, and then I actually qualified for a, a like a study mm -hmm. to do it. And then, but it was like fifty-fifty placebo. So I was like, "Well, do you tell me like what which one I get?" And they're like, "No." That's the whole point of the placebo. Yeah, but then then whoever answered the phone shouldn't have been answering the phone because they're like we don't tell you but most people know they figure it out pretty quickly and i was like why would you tell me that and uh but i just realized i didn't want to fuck around and i really wanted to get some help and try right. that so i spoke to my therapist and he was fully on board with it another therapist friend i talked to and they were yeah. like yeah and then even my psychiatrist you know, who prescribed, you know, the like antidepressants and things like he he was more like like, well, I've I obviously I've read the research and it's he basically wouldn't say. But he yeah. Was like, yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I've heard from most of my they're like, yeah, I mean, it's it's a thing I can't officially say. But like it, I know it yeah, is making kind of a resurgence like uh, psilocybin, ketamine yeah. um, and even like uh mdma i think are making sort of a resurgence in uh psychiatry 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think in some time, you know, five, ten years, it'll be a very normal. And it's one of those things, once you start being curious or talking about it, then you people just come out of the woodwork. Yeah. Like, it's it's like, it's sort of like OCD. Like, when, I, I, you know, if you're obsessed with a disease, then you notice, like, oh, there's signs for that disease on every bus that passes mm -hmm. by. As soon as I was like, kind of like, I think I want to try this, then people were coming out of the woodwork, like without me even mentioning it, people would be like, oh, hey, I want some shrooms. It. Yeah, it was very right. weird. And uh, so a friend hooked me up with a woman and she gave me like a mixture of all sorts, you know, mushrooms, LSD, peyote, and then like some non-psychedelic other things some placebo you know not well like you know there, there were just is... a couple like clear pills thrown in there just just for yucks yeah exactly like oh this is like a deer piss or whatever i don't know <laughs> and but i i found it it worked in like a way you know, the one thing that I found appealing about it is in talking to people that have done it, no one no one was like, oh, my God, it's amazing. It changed my life. It's the best thing. Everyone was kind of like, I found it to be a, a very effective shift that I needed to get yeah. to where I wanted to be. And I, that's well, that was my experience with it. Like, it, I sort of liken it to, I was just talking about this with someone last night who was curious to try it is um you know for me it was like if you were on bumper cars you know do you ever ride bumper cars yeah. like and you get stuck in a corner with and you can't get out mm -hmm. and you're just like oh shit everyone my friends are the, zipping around over there and i'm i'm here with these strangers in this corner and we can't get stuck and then the guy who runs the bumper cars has to come and get you and drag you out and set you free I kind of liken it to that, like being the before state is stuck in the corner and I did the mushrooms. I'm like, oh, now I'm free. And it, so it was sort of like a very subtle shift. And, you know, I was like, oh, is it placebo? And, you know, but I was talking to my brother and he was like, who cares if it's a placebo effect? If it's working, it's working. So That's for all we know, you're take, you're still just taking a placebo right now. <laughs> No, no. I mean, I, I don't think it's a placebo effect. And I know I'm not taking a placebo, but uh, but I anyway, so it was super effective for me. And then the pandemic hit and over time, because I was feeling better than I'd felt yeah. in my adult life, basically. And then, you know, the pandemic, like a lot of people took it out of me. And uh but, you know, I was like talking to my therapist and I was really depressed. And he's like, he's like, you sound amazing. He's like, for everything you're saying, it just sounds like now for the first time since I've known you, which has been a very long time. He's like, now you're upset about the real world instead right. of like, you're not up your own ass anymore. Like now you're just reacting to valid, right. bad things in the world. Yeah. You know? So he's like you feel like shit, but you've actually made a lot of progress as far as I'm concerned. So anyway, I, w I wanted to wait till like, 
you know, got I was I spent most of the last year in Ohio taking care of my girlfriend's mom, and now we're back here. So I now just started like a new regimen of it, uh, just like a couple of days ago. So we'll see. You know, hopefully it hopefully it'll be. I think it'll be a good experience. But it's also, you know, I think anything. I think your first. You know, it's like. I've done stand-up comedy in prisons. Yeah. And the first time I was so scared, I did Sing Sing Prison uh, upstate and I was so like stressed out about it. And it was a wonderful, amazing experience that I was like, oh my God, I, I wanna just do that all the time. And then I went back and did it again and it wasn't as powerful an experience cause I had already done it, right. you know? So I wonder, I don't bring that up trying to slip in my prison story under the wire, but I, <laughs> I wonder, I wonder if, uh, if maybe mushrooms, like there's the initial thing and then the rest you're like, oh, well, I've, I've already been here. And now I mean, that's been sort of my experience, which like, as soon as I like went a little too far out with psychedelics and was like oh i feel kind of fucked up and scared and then like got past it like now when that happens if i take too strong of an edible or whatever i'm like mm -hmm. oh this is this is what this is i'm fine like I, I, i'm okay yeah you know just but, like but it's I fine should... you're just really high it, it's okay <laughs> i've never though i've never tripped though like i right microdosing it's... is much different than taking like a no like a it's dose. You... right it's subperceptual. Like I've never felt any high from it at all. The only thing I'll say is, is that like, if you drink, you know, like if you have a couple glasses of wine and you're microdosing, it'll feel like you had like four, twice as much. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I was, I noticed this and I was like talking cause my therapist was like really curious about it. So he'd be asking me like, Oh, how's it going? I'm like, Oh, I noticed like, I'm really, fucked up like if i have a couple of drinks and he's like he's like yeah like you're on lsd and mushrooms and then right. you're drinking like yeah like what are you doing and i was like oh fair point um but anyway so yeah uh and then in addition to that you know i i do i'm a huge cliche across the board i guess i do transcendental meditation mm -hmm which I have found to be helpful. But I, I would say that running and mushrooms. So those are my, and just ripping guitar solos, honestly. Hell yeah. Those are my four four things. That's a good combo. Uh, yeah, they're all fun. Yeah. You know, all, all very relaxing. So yeah. Hell yeah. Okay, well, we gotta wrap up. We, we've gone over time and Caitlin's gonna- Yeah, I have the next so, thing um, in a second So here. this was lovely though, um, and uh, I can't wait to see you tomorrow at the at the premiere. Uh, yeah, good. I look forward um, to it. And I, I, hope I, I hope I did all right. If you need anything yeah, more- Yeah, no, this was great, man, know. this was great. Um, yeah, Feel free I, to edit out, out of my, any of my rambling. Nah, and everyone, nah, 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 nah. This is great. Everyone go see Drunk Bus. I honestly just wish we, we had a, a little more time together. That, that's all. Well, um, we can we can chat tomorrow. Yeah, we'll chat tomorrow. Um, so if people want to find you, uh, where where can they find you? Your your socials. I know you got kicked off of Twitter, but like anywhere yeah, else I'm they can find you. Yeah, gone from Twitter. And... Yeah, I mean, Instagram at Mr. Dave Hill, at Mr. Dave Hill. I have a website, DaveHillOnline.com. Right. Um, I'm on Facebook. 
I have a new clothing line with a friend. Oh, this is the craziest thing. We can't even get into it now. But I, I'm, I designed some women's dresses. Right. If you go to thebunnyshops.com. That's the craziest thing of the last year, aside from the pandemic. It's I've so, somehow got involved in women's wear. I've seen I really the stuff. It's, it's very cute. Go go check it out. Go see the, the hit oh, movie Drunk Bus. Um, yes. And uh, follow follow Dave Hill. He's really funny. Yeah. And I'm on I'm on I'm I'm on one episode of Girls Five Eva, which is a great new TV show on Peacock. So I recommend that as well. Hell yeah! All right, man. Uh, this is great. I'll I'll see you tomorrow. All right. All right. Cool. Thanks, man. All right. Bye. 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 Okay. Thank you, Dave Hill, for coming on the show. Everybody, go see that movie, Drunk Bus. Go see it. It's funny. It's got funny people in it. It's got a crazy looking dude with tattoos all over his face. It's awesome. Devo is heavily mentioned and discussed. What's not to like? Please visit patreon.com slash selfworst. You can kick in a couple of bucks. You can kick in as little as a dollar a month. You get bonus content. Swear to God, I'm making fucking bonus episodes. You'll... I, I put little teasers out all the time. And you can know, if you're looking through my feed, you can know what... The rest of the episode was they're not just a couple of minutes sometimes they're upwards of an hour and that's shit that you're missing out on unless you sign up so i'm just saying um music is by shay bartell thank you shay you can follow this podcast on instagram at selfworst you can follow me on instagram and twitter at radical pearson that would be great i'm i'm great at social media um, and, uh, that's about it. Oh, like and subscribe on iTunes, uh, or whatever podcasting platform, but really the iTunes, uh, reviews and ratings do matter. So take a second and go do that. Or just like, if you run into me in person, just give me your phone for a second. I'll fucking do it. I don't care. I'll do it myself. I'll write myself a review on your phone. I'm Brad Pearson. Until next time, go out and fail. It's good for you.